Christmas fundraisers, I'm Dawn Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. I am super excited for our guest today on Raise Nation Radio. Uh, super cool, super knowledgeable. What a thought leader. Pamela Oaks. Um, just, I love, 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 love your vibe. Welcome to Raise Nation Radio. This is the Raise Impact series where, where we have thought leaders like you. So happy to welcome you. How are you doing today, Pamela? I'm doing great, Don. Thanks for having me. Oh and my thank gosh. You for that wonderful introduction. I almost had to think about who is she talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about you, girl. Uh, that's for sure. Um, you know, we have to always start with just getting our audience to know you on a more in, you know, intimate level. Um, I want to dive into, you know, being profitable as a nonprofit and everything that you're an expertise on. But I also want our audience to know you a little better. Can you just let us into the Pamela Oaks world and and Tell us all about you. Do you mind? Okay, all about Pamela. Well, how about if I start by just kind of telling you how I got into consulting, yeah. right? It kind of really speaks to my heart and my passion. So i um, been in the nonprofit world for a long time. Uh, started out doing some short-term humanitarian projects like in Jamaica and Africa and Mexico. And I loved that type of work of being in communities and looking to the eyes of people as, as transformations taking place or whatever. And I knew doing that type of work, it was so fulfilling to me that I knew I wanted to do that for like the rest of my life. And um, I did that for a couple of years. And that opportunity came up for me to actually move to Johannesburg, South Africa. This was during the uh, right after apartheid had um, fallen. Nelson Mandela had just gotten out of jail. It was during the truth and reconciliation period. And I cut my teeth on consulting by consulting with the top 100 companies in South Africa and the bordering countries of Botswana and Zimbabwe in the areas of diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, gender equity, employment equity, affirmative action. And that was such an amazing time in a new country and new constitution. And I love that. But what even made that more exciting was during our downtimes, we'd go into the townships or the rural villages and again, initiate those self-empowerment projects, whether it was organizing women to start their own business, to bring in some money or, you know, doing microfinance or even working with um, rural school children and on life skills, that type of thing. Again, kind of got my hands dirty, so to speak, in um, being in communities and really helping to transform communities. So, it was why wow. I was, yeah, it was just an amazing time. Honestly, just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have scripted it or planned it if I had tried. Mm. It, it 
cap. It was just one of those serendipitous type of opportunities. And while I was living in Africa is really when I started to hear more about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now I'm from Seattle, right? I, I know about Microsoft, <laughs> Bill Gates, right? No surprise. But at that time, I think I even know that name. <laughs> I, I know it sounds vaguely familiar, right? Yes, vaguely. <laughs> so, um, at that time, their foundation had a really small profile because they wanted all the focus to be on the work that they were doing. So then and now the focus of their work and, and the focus of their endowment is spent on the continent of Africa. So it's funny that I learned more about them living in Africa than I ever did living right here in Seattle. In the United States. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, anyway, I thought, well, when I come back home, I'd love to work for the Gates Foundation because of the work that they were doing. So I came back, uh, worked for the Gates Foundation, and that taught me a couple of really important things. One, how really wealthy people think about their money. That's Gates money, Warren Buffett money, and what they think about when they're about to give that money away for philanthropic purposes. And so I'm a grant maker for them. I'm one of the people that says, yes, we will fund this project or no, we're not going to fund that project. And why? And I realized very, very quickly that there was a real disconnect between these huge pools of wealth for philanthropic purposes and those community organizations or those small um, projects happening on the ground who need the money. They weren't talking to each other. So I started consulting part-time while I was working full-time as a grant maker to help organizations, especially small community organizations in communities of color, um, being an African-American woman, I was specifically uh, focused on helping to empower and build up African-American-led organizations, and to but to help them understand how they are viewed in the eyes of a funder, to kind of give them that behind-the-curtain view into how a funder looks at them, um, how they might be able to structure them to get on the radar of some of these big funders, how to qualify for the funding, and how to find out where the funding is. And so that's how I started, and what I said was like fund development and capacity building for nonprofits. And I did that for a couple of years and it just blew up from there. And um, after about three years, my my little side hustle just outgrew your side my- hustle, your side <laughs> hustle, outgrew your side hustle, outgrew your main hustle. Yes, it did. And so I had been at that point, had been to Gates Foundation for probably about 10 years. And so decided to take the leap and do that consulting full time, because, again, that gets me right back to my heart, and my passion of being in communities and helping communities and empowering and lifting up and building communities. And so that's what I do now. I've been doing it now for full time for about uh, uh, six years now. And I love that work. Again, just helping to to just build up communities. Oh my gosh. I can feel the energy and the excitement and your passion. It's just like popping through Raise Nation Radio right now. And I bet all of our audience is, uh, you know, feeling it as, as well. So you never fail. You never fail me. I can't wait to get into some really uh, juicy uh, conversations. So you were almost a little bit ahead of your time with the whole DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. Um, how do you feel about that now and where we are? How, you know, there's still a lot 
lot of work to do, right? Like there's, there's a lot of work to do, but have we made progress, Pamela? Do you feel? And I think, you know, and I think what it is, is that progress really is starts with awareness. And you're right. When I started, it wasn't called necessarily diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, I'm working in um, South Africa. They were coming out of a segregated society and their whole point was, okay, now that we're no longer segregated, how are we going to work together? Right. And that was the whole point. How do we work together? The whole truth and reconciliation was how do we come together and work together and move forward as one? And so um, it's interesting because uh, that was in in a lot of ways, I found that South Africa coming out of segregation was so much further ahead than America coming out of the 60s, right? We are still getting to that place. But I do feel that that awareness is so much, uh, is the start of that work. And the thing about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, we hear those terms and those are just values. So it's not Diversity, equity, inclusion is not um, not something to check the box off. It's not uh, to be. That's performed. right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lifestyle. It's yes, a absolutely. right. It's be- so when people are thinking, when are we going to get there? It's like it's, it's a journey. We will continually always be on that journey because we are always and should be as a society on a journey to to value other people, regardless of their race, ethnicity, religion, sexual preference. That's what it's all about. It's about valuing, honoring other people. And that, you know, so whether I, those terms sometimes have, we've used them and overused them. And Ab- I used and abused them, right? Yeah. Right. It's a lifestyle. It's a journey. It's a mindset shift. It's, a mindset. it's, it's, it's And let's throw abilities and disabilities into the <gasps> race and color, religion, and, and, and all of that. Let's just value people. That's period. Exactly Put a period on it. Period period. That's all it is about. And yes, that takes some time. And yes, we have to work towards that. But uh, I find that sometimes people are a little bit intimidated to enter into those discussions because they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to be perfect at it. I don't know what to say. It's like, who's perfect? I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) yeah, not me. And yeah, not me. Yes, it's it's we're always it's a work in progress. And as long as we are always moving forward to value other people and to and to build up other people, we are on the right path. It's when we block it or stop it or say it doesn't matter or want to just check it off on a box. Right. Or yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Went to the workshop. We did that. Yeah. Did that. Right. I passed. Yeah. Yeah. I passed. And then that's it. Exactly. Yeah. It has to just yeah. become embedded just in the fabric of who we are as a society. Oh, wait, let's pause there. It has to be embedded into the fabric of who we are in society. I love that, Pamela. That's beautiful. And, you know, I really think that your passion in so many areas makes you the thought leader that you are. I mean, I don't want to digress into DEIB um, because I want to get into fundraising because I know all of our audience wants to hear, you know, about that, 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 um, and, and I shouldn't have said digress, right? That could, I, what I meant was that could be its own, you know, podcast conversation, but I, I think that's what makes you a little bit extraordinary. And 
that much more special because you have multiple passions that have collided Mm. together and now you're helping the nonprofit. And I think that's what really comes through. So you want to talk into, you want to jump into some fundraising talk with me? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do this. All right. So we have lots of great missions out there, right? We have lots of great missions that are doing, you know, great things. It takes lots of great money to do great things. So where do nonprofits get the money to do what they want to do? That is the number one. Yes. Let's go there. I I went there fundraisers. I went there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And this is one of those things and it might seem a little counterintuitive, but it is so, so true. Number one, there's plenty of money out there. Just get, just. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You heard it. There's plenty of money out there. Tell us more. Right. Um, Sometimes we we approach it with that scarcity mindset of, and so then we're, puts us in competition with everybody else for these limited resources. Understand there is plenty of money out there, but it starts with really what is that nonprofit story? What is your story? I know we hear those terms. Oh yeah. You have to have storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. Yeah. You have have to have your case statement, but what does that all mean? And it really is, uh, what is, why should somebody fund your organization? What makes you special, right? And again, I think so often nonprofits think of, well, here's all our facts and figures about what makes us special. And no, now you're just getting dry and boring. Really think of something exciting. I I always think of like your case statement or your story. Another word is, um, I've used two terms. One is your hit song, right? Ooh, your hit (laughs) song. Your hit song. And I always use that example of um, Beyonce. Years ago, she had this song, which I know everybody knows, called Single Ladies, right? I mean, you turn on the radio, you're hearing single ladies. All the single ladies, yeah. All the single ladies put a ring on it. You but know, yeah. people, you know, people knew that it's even become part of our vernacular. You know, put a ring on it. People might yeah. not even know where that comes from, but it comes from Beyonce. And you know, when she was in concert or on TV, I mean, Saturday Night Live was doing parodies of single ladies, and it became a hit song. Not because you heard it once, not because you heard it twice, not because you heard it ten times. It's because she it was hearing overload. It and over and over again, it became her hit song. That's what the nonprofit story needs to be. It needs to be your hit song. You, your board, your staff, your volunteers need to be singing that hit song everywhere you go, not just in the board meetings, but in your community so that the people in your community, guess what? Know your hit song. They yeah. might not know all the lyrics of your hit song, but they should know the hook Put well, that's okay on. because Put I know all the single ladies and then, and then I go blah, 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 blah. But I still know it. So that's right. what you you're know, talking about. Put a ring on it. Right. Yeah, all the yeah. single ladies, right? You know, I don't even know all the lyrics, but I know that part. And that's what that's how your nonprofit gets momentum about what you are doing. You want people to say, oh, yeah, I've heard some of that. Is that the is that the nonprofit that does blah, 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 blah? that says, put a ring on it, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. that hook is. And then they're like, yes, because it starts gaining momentum. And unfortunately, we um, we don't think of our story in that way. We only think of telling the story when uh-huh. we're trying to get money. But then it's almost too late. You have to be singing that hit song everywhere you go, inside the board meetings, outside the board meetings, when you're networking, at your family picnic, at the nauseum, right? Until you're t- when you're tired of it, you're not tired of it. 
everybody needs to be hanging out. So you may be sick of that hit song, but I guarantee you those people out there who have not heard your hit song, so you can have to continually keep it in rotation. And the reason is why? Because there may be a potential donor or supporter who has not yet heard your hit song. That next major donor, that next big corporate sponsor maybe just needs to hear your hit song. So that is one aspect of making sure that that hit song, that that case statement, that story stays in rotation. The other thing is, as you are crafting your story, make sure I specifically use that word crafted because you are not supposed to wing it, right? Don't don't have the staff saying one thing, volunteers say another thing, and the board saying something else, right? It, It needs to be a crafted story so that everybody's singing the same song. Otherwise, the message gets muddled because, you know, one one area is hearing something else. One part of the community is hearing something else. You want to make sure there's consistency. And when you think of it, make sure that is exciting and inspiring and motivating. It's not just facts and figures. Think of it as a pep talk. You know, you're you're um, it's, it's fourth quarter. Third and down, you're on the one yard line and you're three points behind. When you get in a huddle, what do you say to the team? Do you say, oh, well, well you statistically, know, you could, uh, you know, yeah. Here's our, here's our facts and figures from the season about how many times we've made a field goal. No, no, you know, that, that's not going to work. Right. That's not going to work. And you don't get in that huddle and say, oh, well, you know, even if we don't make this, this final point, we all had fun, didn't we? Let's be happy with that. No, no. you are in that huddle saying, come on, we can do this. Let's go. You're not talking about your past failures, how many times you missed the field goal, how many times you didn't make a touchdown. You are you are pumping people up to say we can do this. Let's go for this. We're, we can do this. Nothing's going to hold us back. We are the champions. Watch out, world. Here we come, right? Touchdown. Touchdown. <laughs> yeah. That's what a pep talk is all about. And your story needs to be that pep talk. And so when you read it, when you think about your story, is it that pep talk or is it just kind of dry and dull and boring because all you've listed is just some statistics about your organization, how many donors you have, and which is important. But yeah, we're, we're not saying statistics are important. We're yeah. saying that the flavor and the, the excitement flavor. and the, the heart needs to be there too. The heart has to yeah. be there. We miss the heart and the passion behind why you are even involved in this cause. Like if I don't know anything about your organization, I want to know why should I give you my hard-earned money? You better better give me a pep talk. Don't, you know, because that's what's going to inspire Inspire me. Yeah, to open up my pocketbook. Okay, this is fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. We are going to break right now for a commercial, but when we come back, you know what I would love to talk about is... um, how do you get everybody on the same page and how do you craft? I mean, I don't want to give away all your secrets because I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I, I represent a small nonprofit. My, I help my daughter. She's been running a small, non small grassroots nonprofit for five years. And I'm ready to get off this podcast and be, and be like, Alyssa, we got to call Pamela because your energy is just contagious. But I think um, without giving away all your secrets, we, we're going to talk about how we get everybody on that same page. Right. And, and how do we infuse that energy? But we're going to be right back after this commercial break. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use software solutions, 
that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising. Welcome back to Raise Nation Radio. We are talking with the one and only Pamela Oaks. Um, we're having such an energetic, inspiring conversation. I can't wait to jump right back into it. Pamela, if you would like to continue where we left off, we're talking about that storytelling, but not just the typical, you know, we were founded in, you know, five years ago and, you know, one in 44 and, you know, da, 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 and our founders, you know, right. suffered from and blah, blah, blah. That's a good story, right? It's a good yeah. story. It's an important story. Mm-hmm. How do we get to the exciting heartfelt pep talk story that you were talking about? And then how do we make sure that everybody is on the same page, volunteers, board members, donors, staff? How how do we do that? I love and I love that you said donors because you're absolutely right. And part of that is is ensuring that motivation you um, and that momentum. You want your donors to be saying the exact same thing, right? Singing the same hit song. And part of that is it kind of goes back to what I said. It, It has to be crafted. I mean, literally written down crafted. And when that's written down, you make sure that your board knows it, that your staff, and when you get new staff, you train the new staff, you orient them, you onboard them to your story, you onboard board members and new board members, you onboard volunteers with that crafted written narrative. Do not wing it. That is the key. And then also I say um, people you know, when I talk about this now, okay, if you didn't know quite yet, yes, I have a bit of an outgoing personality and people- No, not you, oh. Pamela. <laughs> not you. I know that comes as a shock, Don. It, it does. Really does. But yes, I need a people, moment. <laughs> <laughs> people will say, well, I'm not you. So when you say it, it sounds exciting, but, but I'm not you. But the thing is, it's not how you say it, but it's what you talk about when you relate your story. So always talk about it as if, as if it's already done. Again, if you think about that pep talk, you kind of get there because people under, kind of understand a pep talk, what a pep mm-hmm. talk is all about. A pep talk's not talking about all the things that we haven't done or even where we are right now in this moment. A pep talk is all about this is where we're going. We're we're getting that championship ring. That's what we're going for. This is all we've got to do. An assumptive, an assumptive journey. Done deal. Right. That's how you have to talk about. But so often we just talk about what we've done in the past. Well, this is what we've done so far. And this is where we've come so far. And this is this is our origin story. Right. As you spoke about, you know, this is what our founder did. And you only bring them. You only bring people up to the current moment. But a pep talk is getting them to the next moment line to the next moment. And you have to talk about it as if it's already done. So you don't say what we are hoping and praying that will happen. No, you're like, look, this is who we are. This is what we will do. This is what's going to, this is what the world will look like when we have accomplished our goal. This will be happening. This will be happening. People will be feeling this way or experiencing this. This is, will happen. And you have to talk about it as if it's a done deal. That's what generates excitement. Cause then think about it. You're talking to people who don't know who you are. So you have to literally paint the picture for them about 
what will the world look like? Why is your cause important? Why is giving you this money important? How will this advance your mission? How will this advance your cause? Paint that picture for me because I don't know what that looks like. So part of that is saying, yes, that, that's where statistics come in. Statistics just help to bolster the, the picture. So for example, if you say, well, our goal is to, you know, um, world domination, great. <laughs> then your, you know, your statistics about how many volunteers you have and how many supporters you have helps to bolster. Okay. I get it. Yes. You, you are in, you know, 23 countries so far. Okay. I get it. Yes. World domination, definitely the next step, right? I can see how that bolsters that statement, but just in and of itself, just stating how many volunteers or how many donors you have is just a flat figure. It doesn't, it doesn't add to anything unless there's a big, bold statement. I talk about um, making that big, bold, audacious claim, right? Because if you're not going to be audacious, big, bold, and audacious then what is the point of you, right? I'd rather give my money to some other organization who's making those big, bold, audacious claims about what the world will be like. And, and while that may seem, well, gosh, I don't even know if we could do that. That's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're really connecting the dots between, you know, data the backstory, but the forward story. Forward I think that's story. what you're saying, that yes. that that this is what the world's going to look like if you can help me get there has to be part of your story. Has to be part of your story. And we miss that painting that picture about what will the world look like? Not what you're hoping it will look like, but it will absolutely be yeah. this. And this is what's going to happen. And we are at the forefront of that. And using those powerful adjectives and action words, you know, about, you know, um, uh, that really, again, it's like that pep talk, those really powerful words, you know, about what you will be doing. We're implementing this or we will establish this or we will be this. And Get friendly with your thesaurus is what you're saying. You really do. Now, yeah. honestly, I, that's that's funny that you say that, but it is so true. Sometimes for when I'm working with clients, I literally print out some adjectives for them and like what resonates with you because the one the words you're using are just not inspiring. Come yeah. on, like I like audacious. That's like yeah. my new favorite word. I think you know, and cool you know, word. it's really interesting just to kind of uh, uh, use someone who used this very very well was Barack Obama. His first book, he, or I don't know if it was his first book or even the, um, one of his first speeches when he was- He's an eloquent of, speaker. I mean, there's the no doubt. Yeah. The audacity of hope. The audacity of hope. He wasn't saying maybe kind of, he's like, we have the audacity to hope that we can be bigger, better, greater. And he inspired people to dream bigger, to take the boundaries and the limits off of their thinking and to really be audacious of where you could possibly go and if there were no limits. And we miss that as nonprofits because then we're like, well, you know, we really only have this much money and, you know, there's hardly any money and, you know, administration just cut, you know, services and whatnot. And oh my gosh, and there's so much competition and we talk ourselves out, out of, of it. those goals. 
And yeah. if we don't have those goals in our heads, you, it's impossible to inspire somebody else. If you don't even believe it, you have to be the cheerleader. You are the cheerleader for the pep squad, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. the head cheerleader. <laughs> so Pamela, is that, is that what you're doing with your consulting? I mean, that can you help nonprofits? Because I'm inspired. I'm fired up. I'm, I'm excited. But, but then, but then I immediately feel like the, you know, the, the pin hitting the balloon and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. How do I do that? Right. So right. is that how you can help fundraisers and developers out there craft that story? Is that what you're doing in, in, in your full-time hustle now? Yes, that is, yes, my full-time hustle, yes. So that is part of it. So again, when clients reach out to me, it's usually, as you said, they're like, show me the money, we need the money. And I'm like, okay, great. But part of getting the money is really first, do you have the story, right? So that's part of it. Part of that story also is, do you have the leadership abilities to manage the money once it comes to you. So oftentimes I end up doing a lot of board development just so that, um, because as a, from a funder standpoint, remember, I always view things through a funder standpoint, because that's what I did. I was a grant maker and I'm looking at these organizations maybe in a different way than they look at themselves. Mm -hmm. They're like, we're doing Mm -hmm. all this wonderful work. And I'm thinking, okay, great. But from a funder standpoint, a funder wants to know if they drop money in your organization, will it have the impact? Do you have the leadership to steward and manage that money, right? And, and, and we're so, not talking about mismanaging money. We're no. talking about turning that money into the better tomorrows and what tomorrows are going to look like, absolutely. that leadership that is going to drive impact. I think that's what we're talking about here. Is that right? Also, absolutely. Yeah. Funders want the biggest bang for their buck the biggest bang for the buck. And you have to help them to, um, to, you have to be able to let them know how they're going to get that big bang. Right. And so for leaders, that is part of that, that leadership is not just your skill set, but do you have the passion and commitment to really drive the cause in your community? So are you out there promoting, advocating, championing, your cause in your community, all those things lead uh, funders look at because they want to know if we just, if we put this money here, is it just going to impact this one little small group that they're already working with? Or do they have a vision and a goal and a dream to be bigger, better, more? They, funders want to know that that, that those few dollars that they may have given you can expand and grow. What is the impact that it could potentially have? You have to be able to- And that needs to be part of the story. It has to be part of that story. And then also there's always, you know, those just those um, those uh, standard things about just do you know how to run a nonprofit? Right. Those yeah. basic, <laughs> which you do do all of that. But then also thinking in terms of diversifying revenue, because that's another thing that I work with organizations on is because so often we they get very narrowly focused and like we just need that grant or we just need that big donor. And they don't think about what really helps a nonprofit to be able to maintain and achieve financial sustainability is diverse revenue streams, not putting all your eggs in one basket and two. Right, because look what happened during the pandemic, right? If you were an event-based organization and you 
Yep. There. And now we can't do Ouch. events. Oh my gosh. All our money was coming from events. We can't do events. Now what do we do? See, and that is the whole point of having diverse revenue streams. When one stream dries up, there's other streams that are still flowing to feed your organization. That is what helps create uh, sustainability. And so I really work with organizations to really think through how they can um, really build out other streams of revenue and what, not just build out, but what other revenue streams are available that they maybe are just not accessing. And that is key. And so oftentimes, obviously we think of, well, grants, number one, but grants should only be, you know, about 30% or less of your of total budget. And so if it's that's 30%, where's that other 70% coming from? right? Oftentimes we're like, we just need a whole bunch of grants to make up our entire budget. But no, you don't want to do that. You want to diversify and building out a donor base. So often I find that nonprofits don't take the time to build out that individual donor base. And they don't realize that that alone represents such a huge, significant portion of unrestricted funding for nonprofits, an individual donor base that is not seasonal, is not subject to ups and downs of who's in office or politics or anything. There's just people who are committed to your cause and they will always be there for you if you cultivate those relationships. And, And it takes some time to cultivate that donor base, but the the payoff is huge. And so often I find that nonprofits don't take the time to do that. They'd rather just send out massive proposals and try to get grants instead of taking the time to really build out and cultivate an individual donor base, um, which is um, probably right at the top of the top three areas of where money for your, especially if you're a, a, a newer um or smaller, medium-sized nonprofit is building out that donor base. So very, very important. And can um, you help with that too? Is that what you do with your customers, all your clients? That I do. That's all part of capacity building. So I focus on I focus on uh, financial sustainability. If there was four areas that that I say I focus oh yeah on. yeah let's break down the four areas. I want yeah. to hear this. So it's <laughs> financial sustainability. That's financial the revenue. Sustainability. D- yeah, revenue diversification, donor acquisition and retention, and And if you're, you know, building capital reserves or capital campaigns, those types of things, then the second thing is board development. So that's a big one. Yeah. What is the roles and responsibilities of our board? What is good governance? Right. Um, What is succession planning? Do we have a succession plan in place? Right. Should something happen? Um, So that's two. Because I think a lot of, you know, nonprofits, especially when they're starting out grassroots, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, Uncle Sammy, can you know, you're a lawyer. Can you be on our board and you know yeah I you know oh wow you just filled my you know you just did a root canal for me you're a dentist would you want to be on my board right like (laughs) that's how some of these boards get developed but you really need it starts there with with board engagement yeah absolutely and what I always tell people especially as you just pointed out Don like if they're smaller grassroots and you're picking up everybody you know Uncle Bob and Aunt Sue to be on the board and that's okay to start with but always recognize that the board you start with might not be the board you end with so that's okay I get it you're trying to get up and running but always um um, think about that the board you start with might not be the board you end with and always remember that 
I say, choose board members who are passionate about your cause. We're yeah. going to be those champions and advocates. Why? Because you can teach anybody to be a board member, but you cannot teach somebody Passion. to be passionate for your cause. No way. So no you way. Think, oh, we just need that real, you know, elite lawyer to be on our board. If they're not passionate about your cause, is it really worth it? You yeah. know, to have yeah. them on the board passion for your cause will go so much further. Right. Yeah. OK, so, so you did two. You did two. Yeah, so that's two. two. And then I interrupted you. What's three and four? Yeah. So three, four, uh, three is strategic planning really is what's the strategic direction? How do you formulate your goals? What is the budgeting and forecasting of getting you of growing and scaling your organization? And then four is just that operational leadership. Oftentimes I might even do um, it's professional development. It might be executive coaching and mentoring for your top leaders. Again, many times these organizations they start out small, they're just community people, and then they're growing, expanding. And now these everyday people are now managing organizations and, and budgets that they never thought they would have before. They're, they're, they're building staff, and now they have to manage these staff at levels, and they have to present themselves not only to their staff, but to uh, funders, to bigger and greater funders, to corporations in a way that elicits confidence and, and and leadership capabilities. And sometimes coaching and mentoring is necessary for that to happen. Also, um, um, uh, part of that operational leadership is really developing and training your volunteer force. Sometimes we just think of, oh, we just need some volunteers to just come in and, you know, decorate for the event or whatever it is, right? And I think- Put some that, stamps on envelopes, right? Yeah, yeah put we'll Cultivate that group too. And if you have some, some committed energy from people, the highest and best use for those volunteers is not licking stamps. It's training them on how to bring in money to your organization, training them as your volunteer development team, training them for real staff positions. You're just not paying them. But if you train them right, then they will bring in the money and you can hire them, right? But, uh, but yeah, you, well, you, they must be passionate because if they're willing to give up their time, Right. Time is money. So, you know, if they're going to give up their time to your organization, you have some built in passion. Convert that into being an advocate and a spokesperson for your Absolutely. organization. And we just do not most most um, most organizations just do not utilize that passion in, in a way that that can bring the um, biggest impact for their organization. And oftentimes we'll just burn out those volunteers doing all the grunt work. And yeah, they can stay like I love for three hours. Work, but I'm really, yeah, I'm really tired of this. And so, you know, think of, of, of a project that your, that your volunteers can do that maybe lasts like two to three months. Right. And, and you can get the best out of them and they will give their best for those two to three months and then give them a break. And then maybe you bring in another team of volunteers for another three months. And then, you know, after those three months, maybe you can go back to that first team. That way, if you're, if they're working on short projects, then you're not burning them out. Right. And that you will always get their best when you have them and really think in terms of of um, that any position in a nonprofit, any position. And I do mean any position can be a volunteer position. Wow. An executive director. That just means they're they're working. They're volunteering their time. But that doesn't mean that that you just they only can do grunt work. I think that's just, um, you know, a, a kind old of old school of thought. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, of how you use volunteers, right? So those are the three things, you know, financial sustainability, board development, strategic planning, and operational leadership. Those are the four areas of capacity building to just build up that organization, stabilize it, and help it to grow and scale so that it can achieve just um, world domination. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. You love those words. Um, And you know what I think I love? I speak to, you know, a lot of different consultants and there's some great, great ones out there. Um, But why you really resonate and bubble up to the top for me is because I love the well, aside from your passion and energy and, and, and knowledge base, let's not forget that, but you really are looking at it from the lens of a grant maker. So you have a different, uh, you know, a different viewpoint Mm -hmm. um, because sure, you know, I think you get caught up in, well, you know what we brought, you know, three programs to 75 schools and and that's good. Nobody's saying that that's not good, Mm -hmm. but that, what the funder is really looking for and probably what the donors are looking for. You have that 411, which I think brings just a unique uh, uniqueness and, and differential to your services. And I think it's invaluable, really. It's just so exciting and refreshing. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, I feel like we've just given a free consultation, but that's okay, right? To all of our uh, our audience out here. And, and that's fine. You know, I... I how do we get in touch with you, Pamela? How, how do we find you? How's the best way? Somebody's like, ah, I need this girl. How, how do we find you the easiest and the quickest? Well, the easiest and the quickest is just to email me. So I am Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A at profitable-nonprofit.com. So Pamela at profitable-nonprofit.com. Um, you can also go to my website, which is the profitable nonprofit or it's profitable underscore. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Profitable dash nonprofit.com. Oh my gosh. I should know that. Right. Profitable dash nonprofit.com. Let, let's see if I remember. Let's test me. Pamela at profitable dash nonprofit.com. Is that your email? Yeah. Did I get that right? Email. Oh, yes. good. I got it right. And yeah. then, um, it's, uh, well, www. We all know that. Um, Profitable-nonprofit.com? Correct. Correct. Oh, I got it. Yeah. And you can reach me either of those ways. I'm on LinkedIn as Pamela J. Oaks. Um, I'm on Instagram at the profitable underscore nonprofit. Um, You're everywhere. No, I'm I'm everywhere. Profitable. And once you reach, let me just tell you all your fundraisers out there. Once you reach the beautiful lady, you know, you've gotten (laughs) to the right place. Yes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So really, it's, it's really true. Well, your energy is just amazing. I'm so happy. We also have a wonderful upcoming webinar. Um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you either can catch it live um, or uh, on April 20th, or it'll be on demand at onecause.com. Um, we It's called the Dream Weavers uh, webinar. Um, I forget what the yeah. suffix is to that. Let's see. Dream Weavers, the power of nonprofit storytellers. So you've probably heard of a lot of webinars about storytelling and nonprofit, storytelling and nonprofit, the arc, the all of that. You know what? That's all good. 
but Pamela is going to bring some new flavor to this and, and talk about, you know, the, the passion, the pep talk, um, the assumptive close about what will be, and you really don't want to miss it. If you did miss it, it's okay. Get catch it on demand and make sure that, uh, you listen to that after you listen to this podcast. I think that might be all we have time for today. Any last words of inspiration or to our audience, what's the first thing that they should do if they want to start transitioning into this new and exciting level for their nonprofit? What what do you got for us, Pamela? If you want to know, and if people uh, out there are saying, oh, well, yeah, we've already done our nonprofit story. Great. What I would do is gather your staff, your board and your volunteers and ask the question, what's our nonprofit story? If everybody says the exact same thing, you are on the right track. If you get, you know, 10 different answers, you've got work to do, right? Wow, that's such a great litmus test. Yeah. (laughs) So often we assume, oh, yeah, we we printed that out. We've got that. Everybody knows that. And do they? Just because you printed it out. Or just because you had a professional graphic artist, you know, put put the um, images behind it does not mean that you have trained your organization on how to articulate it. And that is key. And obviously, they're not going to be able to recite it verbatim. So do they know the key points of your story? Can they articulate it in a way? And they're all on the same page. So just ask. That's a great test. Yeah. Nonprofit Storytelling 101. And then your second move should be call Pamela Oaks. (laughs) Yes, always. Yeah. (laughs) Pamela, will you promise me you'll promise me you'll come back for a part two of this conversation? I feel there's just so much that we we can talk about. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Don. Uh, I love talking to you. Well, fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for new episode releases every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's 12.30 p.m. on Thursdays. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you like the best so that you can get notifications about your favorite episodes. Um, We're on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Music. You can find us everywhere. Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Their stories are awe-inspiring. You won't want to miss a single episode. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising. With easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Be sure to check One Cause out on onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of content, ebooks, and webinars just like the one we have with Pamela Oaks on Dreamweavers. A huge shout out, huge, huge, huge shout out, and thanks to my guest, Pamela Oaks, for sharing her expert and authentic voice. Pamela, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I I so enjoyed our conversation. (laughs) Um, Well, Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all we have. Thank you again so much. It's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. 